When it comes to righteousness, it's tough to beat a Pharisee. Jesus knew that these religious leaders were passionate about the law of God. They were supportive of synagogues and schools, attentive to purity rules and regulations, focused on prayers and rituals. The Pharisees were the spiritual superstars of their day, and they exerted a lot of peer pressure on the people around them. I tell you, though, says Jesus, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Did you hear that? Not just simply match the scribes and Pharisees, but exceed the scribes and Pharisees. How can you do that? Peer pressure is a powerful force in our lives. David Green uh, tells us that peer pressure can be both good and bad for us. It can help us and it can hurt us. It can help us, he says, if it inspires you to do better than you are doing. For example, sitting next to a good student at school, maybe her study habits will rub off on you. Or start lifting weights with a person who is focused on gaining strength and you'll probably gain strength faster. Or live next to a neighbor who keeps his lawn and flower beds meticulous might inspire you to do a little better with your own lawn. But peer pressure can be bad and hurtful as well, especially if you get caught up with bullies and miscreants. They kind of force you to do things you wouldn't ordinarily do. Smoke cigarettes, drink alcohol, do drugs. They may even push you into criminal activity to show that you fit in with them. Sometimes we get caught up with the crowd and go along rather than being singled out. A reporter once asked a 104-year-old woman, what's the best part of being 104? And without hesitation, she said, no peer pressure. Todd Rogers, who is a professor of public policy at Harvard, studies peer pressure. And he studied the peer pressure between those who are just slightly better than another and those who are way better than the other person, like the Pharisees. He says, if you compare a peer pressure between someone who is just slightly better, you're likely to be inspired, motivated by that. You see someone working a little harder than you, and you're likely to work a little harder yourself. But he says it turns negative if you are compared to someone who is unattainably better than you. For example... You decide to train for a 5K race, and you are paired with an Olympic distance runner. You're not going to be inspired. You're going to be intimidated and demoralized and probably quit. That's the influence that the Pharisees put on the people around them. And Jesus wasn't into demoralizing people when he said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were good at keeping rules and regulations, but that's not what Jesus meant. Jesus was not focused on rule keeping. He was focused on relationship keeping, specifically being in the kingdom of heaven 
embodied in Jesus. As Christians, the peer pressure of the Pharisees is of no consequence. Our righteousness comes about in a new way, one that avoids the faulty assumptions of who the top performers are. I mean, even St. Paul came to realize this. You know, St. Paul, the tremendous spiritual person that he was, you know, the bragging that he did. Oh, I was circumcised on the eighth day, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, according to the law, spotless. He came to realize that all of that was pure garbage, worthless. Why? Because of the surpassing worth of Jesus. So what do righteous people look like? Last week's gospel lesson was the Beatitudes, in which Jesus tells us what righteous people look like. They are fishermen and farmers, tax collectors and tenders of olive trees. They are imprisoned. They are impoverished. They are blind and lame. They are ordinary people who do extraordinary things because they belong in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says that they are poor in spirit. They are spiritually needy and they know it. They are meek, powerless to save themselves and they know it. They are they mourn the sinfulness of this world. They hunger and thirst for a righteous world where people are not harmed and cheated. They are pure of heart, not defiling themselves with the culture of this world and the idols of this world. They are persecuted, made fun of, said they are people who are deplorable, these are the righteous. Why again? Not because of their meticulous rule-keeping, but because, as Jesus preaches, they are in the kingdom of heaven. They are my disciples. They are the ones whom I have rescued and redeemed. They know they are spiritually needy. They know they are powerless to save themselves, but... They also know Jesus, who has declared them righteous and welcomed them into the kingdom of heaven. So now Jesus shifts the focus in his Sermon on the Mount and starts talking about what do righteous people do. He says righteous people are those who salt the earth. Salt was a valuable commodity in Jesus' days. It was used for sacrifice, for purification, for seasoning, for preservation. Righteous people play all those roles in the world. The righteous do these things because of what they have learned and been taught through faith by Jesus. Jesus said in a rhetorical, ask a rhetorical question there, and said, well, if salt has lost its saltiness, how could it be made salty again? And of course, it can't be. It is useless. And so in the same way, he said, disciples who are not salting the earth with Jesus' righteousness are no longer true disciples. 
And the resulting tragedy is that the world is not being salted with the good news of the arrival of the kingdom of heaven embodied in Jesus. He also says that righteous people give light to the world. Give light to the world. A light is not of no value unless it is set in a place where it can give light to a room. Jesus says, common sense says, you don't light a lamp and put a box on top of it or hide a lamp in a closet somewhere. It's useless in that way. People who are my disciples give light to the world. Not their own light, but the reflected light of him who is the light of the world, Jesus. And a disciple of Jesus can no more hide their light than a city on a hill can be hidden. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, says Jesus. And you are my disciples if you love, serve one another. Through you, the world will be salted and lit. That is who you are, what I have made you to be, says Jesus, and never forget it. He tells us, says to the people, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Live the life of faith. Let the world see what true love and forgiveness is really like. In a world of self-righteousness, in a world where people are focused on themselves and their feelings as the top priority, in a world of peer pressure where the microscope of political correctness is squarely focused on Christians, Jesus says, Live a Christ-like righteousness so that when the world sees you, they say, see how they love one another. The Pharisees may have been spiritual superstars of their day, but their focus was on following rules and regulations. Jesus could not lift them up as the norm for righteousness. They did not see themselves as spiritually needy. They did not see themselves as powerless to save themselves. But the disciples of Jesus know they are powerless. They know that they are needy, that they are totally dependent on the mercy of God. Truly, Jesus is the only righteous one. And that's the reason he came to earth, to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. He gained perfect righteousness because of perfect obedience, even death on a cross. And because of that perfect obedience, earned perfect righteousness that he now gives to you. In holy baptism, through confession and absolution, in holy communion, your unrighteousness is exchanged 
for Christ's righteousness. And in that great exchange, your righteousness now exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. In fact, surpasses anything the Pharisees could ever dream. They are not in the kingdom of heaven, the Pharisees, because of self-righteousness. But because of Christ's righteousness in you, yours is the kingdom of heaven. It's popular among some preachers to give their uh, audience a take-home each week. Well, here's your take-home. Does your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees? Yes, it does. Because Christ has given you his righteousness. Ergo, you are in the kingdom of heaven. Now that's a righteousness even a Pharisee would envy. 